Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, um, beginning in chapter 15, verse 26, through chapter 16, verse 15. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All of this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me about righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The word of the Lord. I always remember uh, leaving the church where I was a youth worker. Uh, we had a youth worker of about 200 young people, and they were some incredible uh, kids in that church. And when I was leaving, they said that they wanted to organize uh, my leaving tea. Uh, so they organized, and they baked, and they set up, and they served, which was lovely in itself. And then they wrote a really embarrassing song about me and performed it. And even though the church was having a little collection, because I was going off to theological college and was poverty stricken. Um, the young people wanted to do a little collection amongst themselves too because they wanted uh, to buy me some very specific gifts uh, and they were seriously chuffed with themselves for what they chose for me. So they bought me this. It's coming up on the screen, a huge Wittard's teapot, and it was that one with the big daffodil on the front and four matching mugs. Um, and actually, I had that teapot. I thought it was about 15 years, but I was just working out. I reckon I had it for 17 years. That's showing my age, isn't it? Uh, and they got me this teapot because they said to me as they presented it, they said, you know, without us, you're going to have no friends, Libby. Uh, and so we're going to uh, give you this teapot and then everybody will want to be your friends because you'll have the best teapot in the whole of Theological College and it'll help you make new friends when you don't have us with you, which was very generous of them. Uh, and then they also uh, bought me two books of stamps because in those days we hadn't really got into the zone of emailing massively uh, so that I could 
write to them. And also, do you remember those? A phone card, okay? A phone, do you remember phone cards? I'd forgotten about them until I started thinking about this. They bought me a 20 pound phone card as well uh, so that I could keep in touch with them. Again, when I had no friends and I needed to remember them, I could give them a ring uh, and, and keep in touch. It was a lovely gift. It was practical. It was loving. Uh, it was a reminder that even though I was going away, uh, they were still there despite uh, me moving on. And in this passage, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John's gospel, and he's telling them that he's going away, but he's going to give them a gift, a gift that is an ongoing expression of his love for them. It's a, it's a reminder that even though he won't be there, he will be with them. He will be with them, that they can keep in touch with them. He's telling them that even though he won't be physically there, they won't be on their own, and that gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I had to leave the church that I was working at uh, in order to receive those lovely, thoughtful gifts. And Jesus is saying, unless I go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. I have to go, he's saying, for you to receive this gift. And he goes on to outline why we need this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is practical, which is an expression of love, his very presence and power with them on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis. And we too need the gift of the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. It's not, you might be sat there thinking, well, I can do God, I can get my head around God, and I can get my head around Jesus, uh, but not really the Holy Spirit. And if we feel like that, then we've missed the point. Because the Holy Spirit is not just about fuzzy, fizzy, emotional feelings or, or experiences or about sort of spiritual gifts or blessings all the time, even though all those things are important and wonderful things. But the point is, we have the Holy Spirit, God with us now. We have the Holy Spirit, God with us now. Now, I don't know about you, but if I can have God with me uh, as I walk this tricky path through life, I'd rather do it with him than without him. I recently came across some research which really grabbed my attention. It was looking at the hippocampus. Okay, I'm really embarrassed now because I know there are loads of doctors here and you'll know far more about this than me, but I really found this fascinating, fascinating research. The hippocampus, I think, is the front bit of your brain somewhere. Um, and it's the part which functions to store spatial awareness of the environment uh, and the ability, it gives us the ability to navigate and find our way around. And this particular study, which has been uh, all over the place, compared the hippocampi, I believe that's the plural, uh, of London taxi drivers who have done the knowledge, the two-year course learning the road and route network around London, with people who hadn't, who didn't drive taxis and hadn't done the knowledge. And they found uh, that the hippocampi of London taxi drivers was significantly bigger than everybody else. The size of the hippocampuses also corresponded to the number of years that the people had actually driven taxis around as well. The longer they'd driven taxis around London, the bigger their hippocampuses. And what this revealed uh, uh, alongside other studies and what people found was so amazing was that it challenged people's previous understanding that a healthy adult's brain uh, are all pretty similar in size and in structure and stability. 
uh, and capacity. And so what they discovered through their research on cabbies' brains, that the brain had much more plasticity, much more adaptability than previously thought. And it made me think, there's so much about our brain that we just don't know about. Uh, that we, there's so much about our brain that we probably don't use. We can't imagine what more there is out there. And I wonder if we do this too with the Holy Spirit. We underestimate or limit his power in our lives and in the world. Perhaps because of fear. Perhaps because of lack of understanding or imagination or experience. And so our challenge is, do we need to expand our imaginations of what God can and is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit today? In John 15, the end of John 15 and John 16, Jesus describes the gift, the Holy Spirit, as being the advocate. Or depending on your translation of the Bible, it might say counsellor. And the actual word used by Jesus in the Greek is parakletos. And it's the conjunction of these two words upon the screen, para and kalio. And para means alongside, and kalio means called. And I think when we understand that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one called alongside, it helps us to understand not just what an incredible gift the Holy Spirit is, but also his role and purpose today. Not just for Christians, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, but for us today as we live our lives for Jesus with the one called alongside. In some translations, parakletos is translated as advocate. uh, And that's a familiar word to us because it sort of corresponds with the legal world. And it refers to somebody who speaks out for you, who maybe is the voice for somebody who is voiceless who advocates on behalf of you. Just notice the significance here of the use of this word. Jesus is sat with his disciples, telling them that he, the one they have loved and learnt from, the one that they have followed, the one that they've believed is the Messiah, is going to be going away. And, and he lays it out pretty plainly that the going is going to be tough for them. They're going to face persecution for following him. They're going to have to speak out the truth of what they know of him. And so by promising promising the paraclete, the advocate, the the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, the one who is alongside them every day, he's reassuring them that even though he's going away, the Holy Spirit is the one who will be with us, who will instruct us, who will stand for us, the one whose very name is called to be alongside. And don't we all long for that? Someone to live our lives alongside us. And that's why we all have this innate desire within us uh, to be in relationship with other people. And here Jesus is saying, even though I won't be physically with you, my spirit will be, I will be alongside you. So let's look at three ways that Jesus explains that the Spirit will fulfill this role of being alongside. He will be alongside to convict the world, firstly. He will be alongside as he speaks truth, and he will be alongside as we face suffering. So firstly, the advocate will come alongside to convict. 
If we look at chapter 16, verses 8 to 11, the, the verses are on the screen there. It's, Jesus says this, When he comes, he proves the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned. Jesus is saying the advocate will come to reveal, to prove to the world uh, that the world is wrong about sin, about justice, about righteousness, about judgment. We've got it wrong. In the world of Jesus about 2,000 years ago, and in our world today, and in every culture and society in between, the human race has been bent on going our own way rather than God's way, haven't we? We reckon we can do this. We reckon we've got it sorted on our own. We can do this life thing. And so the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us that we can't, that we need Jesus. The job of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside and to stir our consciences, to hold up a mirror in our own lives and in the lives of this world, to show us that when we try to do it on our own, when we don't follow Jesus, that's where we fall belly up. And as Peter explains in 1 Peter 2, 24, Jesus is the only one who can sort out the problem of sin in our lives and in the world. He says this, he, Jesus, himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. We are justified. We have been made right with God not through good works, not through stuff we can do, not through church growing, not by being all self-righteous, but through faith in Jesus. And ultimately there, uh, Jesus is saying that he has won the victory. As he puts there in, uh, in chapter 16, verse 11, um, the prince of the world is condemned. The prince of the world is condemned. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He stamped, if you like, on the devil. He won the last battle. And some of us perhaps need to know that today. We need to hear the advocate, the one who comes alongside, speaking into our pain or into our hurt, our despair, and reminding us that we are worthy, that we are loved. Whatever we've heard, whatever messages, whatever lies we've heard in our lives, that no one has the power over our lives except for Jesus. No one has the power over us or the world or our family. No one has the power apart from Jesus because the prince of the world now stands condemned. The old has gone and the new has come. So the advocate, the one who comes alongside, has power to convict. Secondly, the advocate will come alongside and will speak truth. You know, in this world we live in, uh, so much is presented as truth. Truth that says, if you have loads of possessions, loads of stuff, you'll be happy. Truth that says, uh, you know, we, are, we humans are just a, a bunch of complex chemicals brought together without souls. Truth that says, if you are successful, you will be content in life. Truth that says, if you have a relationship or if you have loads of sex, you will be fulfilled. Truth that says, you can do anything and be anything you want to be as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Truth that says, science has proven there is no God. 
And these are just the sorts of truths which have been woven firmly into Western society's cultural narrative. And our job with the spirit alongside us is to challenge these narratives of the world through the way that we live our lives differently, through the things that we do and don't say, through the way we act with compassion around us. Because actually all those truths are lies. And our job with the Holy, is to work with the Holy Spirit to break those walls down as we've just been singing about so that the truth is revealed to people in our world today. Jesus says, When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is saying, The Spirit knows me. And you know me too. So together, our job is to speak of him, to let the world know of him, to know the truth of him who is truth. And why? So that Jesus is glorified in our world. And yet also in our world, as, long as, as well as all these cultural narratives going on, there is also a deep sense of spiritual unease people long for are searching for something more they're searching for a deeper sense of fulfillment and we all know people who we go you just need Jesus in your life I can see you need Jesus I've been friends with Claire for 25 years uh, and she's never had a faith in Jesus uh, but has but has been sort of politely interested in my faith over the years Uh, she's a journalist with the BBC and so has a questioning fascination with the people and the world Uh, but that's completely where it stops for her When she came to stay with us here in Edinburgh uh, earlier this year, I was quite surprised uh, that she actually agreed to come along to church with us. Now, I cannot ever remember a time where Claire voluntarily came along to church with us, apart from uh, our wedding, because she was a bridesmaid, so she had to come. Uh, And also, she came to my ordination, which was lovely, but it wasn't the most exciting spirit-filled service that I've ever been to. Anyway, I really had no sense of how she would find it here, and I felt really nervous, especially because I was preaching as well. But afterwards, I didn't even need to ask her what she thought. Uh, She just came up to me, and she talked about how she'd found the service a really joyful experience, and how she could only describe the experience of being here as like being purified. Now, I thought that was fascinating, that she felt purified. And she explained a little bit more, saying that in her world of journalism uh, and the news, you're always surrounded with just so much rubbish, so much evil. And yet in this place, she experienced joy and purity. And I really believe that what she experienced was the advocate, the Holy Spirit doing his job of coming alongside Claire. Uh, and stirring her dis-ease with the world that she's living in and revealing some of the character of Jesus to her. And so into this culture today, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and he reveals truth to those who are searching for him. The truth that leads to everlasting life, the truth that leads to life and life in all its fullness, bought for each and every person through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So secondly, the advocate leads to truth. And lastly, the advocate will come alongside and help us to face suffering. 
Even though Jesus has claimed the ultimate victory, until he returns, until he brings in the new heaven and the new earth, we live in this uh, world between the now of Jesus' victory and the not yet of the world to come. And this world, according uh, to Paul in Romans 8, is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Don't we see this in our lives and the lives of people around us all, all today? The world is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. And so Jesus is warning the disciples of the suffering they're to to face in this passage. But in those times, he's saying, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will come alongside. And I think this is an incredibly powerful image of one coming alongside and standing or perhaps kneeling with us as we face pain or suffering or despair or persecution. And it's when we're called, uh, and it's what we're called to do every day to ourselves. It's what many of you do week in, week out as soul food, coming alongside, sharing pain, being there in loneliness or despair. Or in our connect groups, as we share life together, we come alongside each other. We listen and love and comfort and help and laugh together. A couple of years ago, uh, Zachary broke his leg playing rugby. Ridiculous game. Anyway, um, we didn't know it at the time, but initially the doctors had uh, put the wrong type of cast onto his leg. Uh, The break, I won't go into too much detail if anybody's squeamish, because at this point I go all faint myself. Um, So the doctors had put uh, a cast up to his knee, but actually what they should have done is put a full leg cast on to stabilise his leg because the break was in his shin bone. Uh, And so unbeknown to us, every time Zachary moved, uh, his break was moving because it wasn't stabilised enough and he was in intense pain. But being the really compassionate mother I am, I was like, oh, for goodness sake, get a grip. You've got a cast on. It can't be that bad now. (laughs) Anyway, so we didn't take him back to the hospital. On the Saturday, um, after it happened, it happened on the Friday, and on the Saturday, I was at home looking after him. And every time he moved, he was crying in pain and agony and it got to the middle of the afternoon and he was sat on the sofa in our lounge and he declared that he needed the loo pretty reasonable Um, but I just couldn't move him every time we moved an inch he was literally screaming in pain and and I was just despairing and I was like what am I gonna do you know I can't just leave him here on the sofa and so I got on the phone and I called my two best friends who were quite near I knew they were quite near us at the time and they literally came in Claire and Joe like knights in shining armor. I don't know what the female version of knights is, but they were knights in shining armor. And they didn't do anything miraculous to change the situation particularly, but just having them with me, just having them alongside me made a huge difference. Uh, We prayed with Zachary, and somehow over about the next 30 or 40 minutes, uh, despite us all actually ending up in tears at one point, because it was all so traumatic, we managed to get him from the sofa onto my office chair that had wheels and wheel him with one of us holding his leg through the house uh, to the downstairs loo. And it was somehow okay because we were in it together. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside who gently walks with us through the pain and the suffering of this life. He is the helper, he is the comforter, and he reminds us of the truth of who we are in Christ. Jesus knew that his followers couldn't manage without the Holy Spirit. He's not an optional extra 
to the functioning of this world or to our lives. I know that the Holy Spirit is at work now in this world. And our job is to join in with what he's doing. We can only continue the mission of Jesus that Jesus has entrusted to us. We can only face pain and suffering uh, and persecution in this world. We can only see transformation in society and in individuals' lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who comes and is called alongside. We've been given this gift, the advocate, the Spirit of God, to be alongside us every day. So let's expand our imaginations and reach out and walk our lives with with him. The Holy Spirit took the disciples to places and to do things beyond their imaginations. He took them to a whole new place of knowledge and of experiencing him, even though he wasn't physically with us. And the world we live in is still longing for that transformation and that knowledge of Jesus for themselves. The world still longs for peace and for joy and for love and that deep contentment. And this is what Christ Jesus promised through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, let him take you to places and to do things beyond your imagination.